0: Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 341 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Ralph Ragnick of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham McDonald As we talk about maybe the most insane night in the history of Mixed Martial Arts uh, last night. Uh, As UFC 269 went down, uh, Cage Warriors as well happened. There's a card coming up next week, but I think you could probably guess what we're going to talk about, and it's going to be absolutely, oh, it's going to be insane. I can't wait. I have a lot of different thoughts. I'm sure Graham has a lot of thoughts as well, so we, we will get into that. But we must tell you that it's holiday season. That means there are stockings to be stuffed and elves to be cuffed. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has gone global with the tools to guarantee you will score under the tree and the mistletoe. Manscaped is leader in mins below the waist grooming. And they have served 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SEVERE MMA at manscaped.com. Ho, 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 gents. Not here nice. Tis the season to perform. Manscaped's best-selling product is the um, uh, Performance Package 4.0 was at the very top of every man's list. I know people will be going out now and, you know, over Christmas, running out, stay out till not too long, but you want to be, you know, you want to be prim and proper if you're going back uh, quickly afterwards, you know, so get your, uh, <laughs> inside the, that Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Lawn Mower Body uh, Trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Uh, also, you'll have the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose hair trimmer the uh, liquid formulations as well are in that you have the crop preserver and the ball reviver ball toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine Um, there's also two free gifts the boxers from Manscaped and the shed travel bag which i knew he was there going to bellator a few weeks ago absolutely feckin' fantastic Uh, the dads can't stop talking about this the teens buy it secretly and the women will love you for it now these are our Manscaped for sure fire wins this uh as socking stuffers. The manscaped cologne, which fantastic i actually have one upstairs i know who i'll, I'll give it to I'll, i don't know i'll give it to someone for christmas uh this two by doll luxury four place uh nail kit uh which i know my missus bought me one she's like cut oh, them fucking nails the crop bot ball wipes for shanky balls they're brilliant crop reviver ball toner and refresher as well is uh fantastic uh small enough to fit in a stocking bag big enough to change a man's life. i'd also add in there the mints as well those mints i love them they'd be great stocking fillers with the with the free shipping as well that's absolutely fantastic so you're just you know you're like you're buying it in a shop or whatever because it doesn't uh, cost anything to, to get to you so there you go uh, these formulations are all vegan, cruelty free dye free sulphate free and paraben free so you know the products are legit make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before the holiday season and while you're there get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SEVERE and whether this is your partner, dad, brother, friend get them something that they will actually use and almost sure to get a laugh from so get 20% off and 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 free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SEVERE. And may be the ballsiest gift giver this year with our friends over at Manscaped. Right, Graham, let's get straight into it. Uh, Look, we have to start with Amanda Nunes. That's the only place to start. We'd be... uh We'd be in the wrong if we didn't start there. Uh, she, if, if you haven't seen it, if you've been living under the rock, if you're getting your results from us, if you haven't watched the pay-per-view over in America or something, God, oh, now I will.
1: Stop, and stop now and go back and watch it. <laughs>
0: stop, stop, stop now. Uh, but if you're coming to us for your results, I know some people do that. I know some people don't watch much MMA anymore and just kind of listen to podcasts to get their results. Um... But what happened on Saturday night in the main event was Amanda Nunes, the, the greatest woman to ever fight in mixed martial arts, lost to Juliana Pena, who was a massive underdog. Um, maybe we can get into it. But for my money, the greatest shock in the history of mixed martial arts, I think it it overtakes uh, Sarah versus Pena. I know some people were saying, you know, Matt Sarah was supposed to be out of the UFC and George Saint Pierre was the champion and he won a season of tough to get on, and absolutely. But I think...
1: And he was underweight as well. Yeah,
0: yeah indeed, indeed. But there was ways I think people kind of could see for Sarah to possibly have, like, a, a, a puncher's chance or a uh yeah, chance. GSP wasn't,
1: wasn't quite GSP, the established exactly. star, like, unbeatable machine.
0: Yeah, I, I would think agree with that. He was, like... He, as you say, he wasn't the GSP that we came to know by the end of it. He wasn't that, you know, that top, top fighter went on to be the double champion. Yes, no, he, he was still very, very good at time. But Amanda Nunes right now is, like, the best fighter of all time at the very apex of her game. Like, I, I described her last week. As like Michael Schumacher in the in the nineties or the two thousands, you know, lapping people and just winning like seven world championships in a row. That's what a Manny is right now. She's at the very, 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 very top of her game, um, and she was beaten by a complete underdog. So I, it's a little bit different, you know. Fighter versus fighter. Okay, maybe you could compare them, but I think to where a Nunes is, I think. It, it definitely is. Now look, it's, it's an argument and maybe you put him one or two or maybe, you know, some people would put Holm and Rousey up there. I wouldn't at all because I was kind of half expecting uh, Holm to win that one. I think that was a, a, maybe a 50-50 or a 60-40 fight. So this was more like a a 98-2 sort <laughs> of fight if I put it that way. Like I know last week and I, I put up the clip on uh, on Saturday night on, uh, on Twitter and uh, I, I kind of said what I said there. You know, the, the, the biggest issue maybe for a man in Nunes might be and Manny Nunes herself, you know, her kind of getting... Um,
1: Becoming all too easy, kind yeah. of we talked about,
0: yeah. Just too easy, yeah. And, like, who's going to be next? And said Kayla Harrison was sitting there cage-side. You know, there was talks of Valentina Shevchenko. Not just overlooking Pina, but overlooking her career in general. Now, Pina came out afterwards in our um, press conference, and she was like, I heard man Nunes wasn't training. And it's like... It's funny Dana Hoyt kind of alluded to the fact that she wasn't training, and kind of Rogan said it sometimes as well. But you wouldn't know. I, I don't know. I feel like Dana Hoyt isn't the biggest Amanda Nunes fan for some reason. Um, but we, we we can leave that to to the side for a second. But what what do you think? Like. It's easy to come in here, right, and say Amanda Nunes did absolutely, you know, no training. She wasn't prepared. She overlooked Juliana Pena, or it would be easy to come in here and go, look, Juliana Pena was just better than her on the night. She's maybe a better fighter than her. Maybe she's the next era or whatever. But I think maybe it's a combination. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, like I think if you if you put the rematch together for you know two months time, I'm I'm picking Amanda Nunes. It, it was a brilliant performance from Pena. I think Amanda Nunes definitely got noticeably tired and kind of desperate in the fight really early I think I think I would kind of buy into the fact that she it all got a bit too easy and she thought it was going to be a bit of a cruise and she was kind of uh, rudely awakened and uh, you know if, if she went in there with a better, better game plan even in the even with the level of dedication that she possibly had in the camp or, or didn't have in the camp she if she went in with a better game plan to, to just strike with her earlier and not kinda play into her game a bit more or not not kinda you know uh not gonna let Pena get get her game going. But uh yeah, I think I think it probably is more of a man. It all got a bit too easy for Amanda Nunes, and she probably was. You know, they always talk about it. and Soccer managers always talk about it. That you, we're just focusing on the next game, the next game. If you're looking, if you're looking beyond, you're 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 not concentrated as as hard as you should be, as focused as you should be. Yeah. So, obviously, that's a you know a rude awakening for her. But I think actually in the long run, this is going to be a good thing for. Uh, it's going to be a great thing for the division. It's going to be a good thing for her, and it leads to some. More interesting fights, obviously the rematch, uh, the Shevchenko match. Like you know, the, there's a probably be a bit more uh, interest in that one, a bit more, uh, a few more people. Not sure which way that would go. I think it just opens up a lot of fights for uh, for the UFC in that division, and for Amanda Nunes. Yeah. And you know, everybody likes a comeback story. If you're on top for too long, you can get a bit. It can get all, all get a bit boring you know people just expect you to go in and win and maybe they're not as excited as they will be now for this this rematch with penia so yeah. in the long run i think this is actually going to be a good thing for amanda Nunes.
0: it's funny because i kind of said that last week you know on the podcast I was like maybe she could go in there and tap and then everything would be better you know i'd love a big rematch and that's kind of what we have now and you're, you're right like I, I suppose the question i put to myself I, it could this be the end for amanda Nunes? like could this be the her at the very top the, the end of it and i got it could be like I, I feel like, the, and the second the fight was over, I felt like no. I felt like she needed this. She, I felt like she needed maybe a, not necessarily a kick up the arse, but something to yeah, kind of. if really she came in breathe. and
1: looked like herself and got beaten, you'd be like, oh, maybe this the, mm-hmm. the, the, the game has caught up with her or whatever. But she didn't. She looked she looked awful. Really, like she yeah. like you know she tapped to a uh, no hooks, rear naked choke, basically.
0: Uh, Wasn't even in. Uh,
1: yeah, after, like, well, get becoming that a second,
0: yeah. very
1: desperate, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. If she had to come in and done her thing to the way we know she can do her thing and had to, you know, lost the way she lost, then, okay, maybe maybe I'd be more inclined to lean that way. But I, I do think it was... Uh, You know, bad day at the office, a bad camp, looking, looking past her, all that stuff combined with you maybe you know it all being a bit too easy and obviously a good performance from her, from her opponent. I
0: I was that's what I was just about to say. You know, you were kind of comparing it to a like a soccer team where you know they all often have a bad night, but the opponent has to be in the right mind for them. Like even if you look at Man United yesterday, Norwich, Man United were rubbish, but Norwich weren't good enough to beat them. Go back a few weeks ago, and when Man United played Watford, Man United had a similarly bad performance, and Watford were up for it and beat them four-one. You know, so. The, the opponent has to be a part of it as well. The opponent has to be willing and able to beat her. And, Pina yeah, and was, the
1: confidence grows. The confidence grows yeah. as she's hitting Nunes. The crowd are going crazy. She's she's like you know much more comfortable than we've seen anybody striking with Amanda Nunes in a long time. Even much better strikers than her because the momentum, the everything is like it. You can't. It's it's kind of an intangible, but there's, it's a huge swing of confidence and momentum, and which is huge in MMA.
0: Those ones where you're watching it, and I, I I don't know if you were the same, but I just didn't believe what I was seeing in front of my eyes. You know, I just <laughs> it was it's so. And sometimes I'm kind of tra- I've trained myself with you know the whole judging thing and everything, talking about that to very much look at fights as fighter A versus fighter B, and you know the, the shots landing versus the shots landing or the submissions or whatever it might be. And even in this, I very much found myself thinking like, "Holy shit, is this is she actually landing no shots? Is she actually doing this?" And you you kind of you don't want to really sometimes you just don't want to admit it to yourself because you're like i look like a fool if i said it's you know and it, it, it ends up actually happening and ends up being in the ending in the finish and it's just like oh, what did that actually happen its i had to go back and watch the fight and kind of recalibrate my brain yeah. to watch it again even, it
1: just it, it's, it's funny i don't even th- some of the shots i think that landed they landed they didn't have the huge impact but they just flustered Nunez and just made her yeah. panic yeah. It, like it wasn't like these were huge impactful strikes there was yeah. a couple there was a few in there like there was a few good strikes but I think it was just uh, the kind of disbelief or the panic that you know maybe was? being punched in the face constantly uh, unexpectedly <laughs> when you've had it all your own way for so long I,
0: I think that's exactly it. the fact that she didn't have it all her own way like a man uh, uh, Julian Opinion made every second that fight a fight like there was a one stage where um, the fight went to the ground and the Manny Nunes got on top. And, you know, Rogan and Carmi and all, they were like, oh, this is where she shines. This is, you know, where she's going to do damage and all this. She's an amazing grappler. And, uh, you know, perfect fine. But they failed to look at the fact that Juliana Pena had her arm. And this is before the, the Kimura now. before that, She had her arm, like, two hands on one arm. And she almost got an armbar on it. And, you know, it was so weird. They were calling the armbar for Amanda Nunes when it was Amanda Nunez's arm that was almost getting arm barred. it was bizarre go back and watch it it's Juliana P- Pina pulling down on her arm on, on Amanda Nunez's arm because she had the 2-1-1 now yeah. it wasn't your normal armbar yeah, I don't arm think there arm. was
1: any I don't think there was any real risk no, no, of no, the armbar but my point is yeah, yeah.
0: my point is she was fighting at all times there was no second even when they got the fight against the cage and Amanda Nunes kind of showed she was stronger immediately Pina kind of turned she got that arm yeah she, never, she never
1: settled she never settled yeah.
0: refused to settle every time Amanda Nunes threw a shot Julie Juliana Pina threw a shot back. She was not afraid of her for one second in there. And that's the biggest issue. You know, we, we said it about uh, after the, the Sinead Kavanaugh-Cyborg fight uh, a couple of weeks ago, that Sinead Kavanaugh, looked. she came out on the wrong side of it, but she did the right thing. She wasn't afraid of her. She went in there and struck. And look, the same thing could have happened to Juliana Pina as happened to Sinead Kavanaugh last night, but it didn't because she got through it. And she got through the the little bits she needed to get through, or the big bits even, that she needed to get through. And Nina Maninuna just wilted. And like she just refused to go away and she was there and there. Now, there's no doubt about it. Amanda Nunes' shots didn't have the same flair on them that they've had before she looked way off. From the very start, she was kind of getting stumbled just because she was walking over her own feet and there were shots landing right down the middle. Like, who jabs up Amanda Nunes? And even, you you know, you were saying some shots weren't even landing. They weren't. Like, a lot of those jabs were either either kind of hitting her in the neck or just going past her head, but she still seemed to be flustered by him. She just wasn't expecting shots to come back. Or... It, like it looked someone to someone like me who just kind of turned up to to get their belt and bring it back home like she was not expecting any sort of a fight in there at all and you know what she got she got every sort of fucking fight pina refused to give up and the man nunes didn't refuse to give up she gave up make i'll make no mistake about that she 100 gave up in the end of that fight juliana pina took the fight out of her make no mistake about it she put her to a place where she quit, and she did quit. She 100%, and Amani is this is not just me saying it. If you listen to the post-fight interview in the cage, Amani Nunes said, there was some things I thought I'd gotten out of my game, and I haven't. They're back. They came back tonight. And I know she was probably talking about cardio and everything like that, but I think she was talking about that as well. She quit in there. She tapped before that was in. She will tell you that herself. I guarantee you she go back and watch it, she was you look at and, and his fatigue has a lot to do with it as well. But she she gave up in there and Juliana Pina beat the fight out of her. And Amanda Nunes whether, and you know, she beat the fight out of her, but Amanda Nunes didn't have the fight in her on that night. And whether that's a thing you can get back, that like the the, the skill side of it and the preparation side of it are something she can, you know, absolutely get back. But the want and the desire, if someone comes in and does that to him again, you know, we talk about the silk sheets all the time. Okay, she doesn't have Conor McGregor money, but she's a lot of money for someone. I think, you know, who I, I heard the people talking about she's living on a farm and, and things like that. Doesn't spend a lot of money, doesn't live high or anything like that. Unlike a certain Conor McGregor, you know, um, she she has a lot of money and plenty of money to live the rest of her life out. Is that a thing? Is that going to be a thing? Like, should we start t- having those conversations as well? And, you know, this is a big, big well, thing for that, yeah. Go on. What I do you, what do you think about the, the, the quitting part, though? Do you think she quit in the end?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do think she she just yeah, I do think, you know, uh it's clear to see she didn't really have the 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 back properly. She was kinda of on her back, didn't have any hooks, didn't really even have the choke that deep and she tapped very quickly. I think I think she, she definitely just uh just gave up. But I was gonna I was gonna ask you before even before you said that, do you, do you think it was a case of she wasn't mentally prepared for the camp or for the fight? Or yeah, do you think it's like you know she's achieved everything now and everything that she set out to and it's just hard to get yourself focused and be as obsessed with the game like we've talked about it a lot when it comes to connor but maybe amanda nunes is in the same predicament you know I do. I I think that it, this will give her a kick up the arse that she maybe needed to go back in there and, you know, refocus herself. But, you know, this is going to give a lot of confidence to Juliana Pena and to other fighters who are going in against Amanda Nunes that she is beatable. You know, you don't yeah. have to be afraid, afraid in there. So it's going to be tougher. But I, I do think that most likely she will be able to rededicate herself if she, like, you know, Maybe she doesn't want to, but it seemed in the post interview that she said she's going to get back to training and you know improve herself. So it seems she that there's not that that's what she wants to do. So. I would back her to go back in there against Pena and get the title back. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely something in her mind now. You know, if things are going going badly. You know, maybe this will creep back in. She obviously talked about she obviously worked hard to kind of get this, get this side of her game kind of patched up or fixed up. And, you know, maybe maybe now it'll be on her mind. And, you know, a lot of the fight is is won and lost in your mind.
0: Yeah, I, I, look, to answer your question, I suppose, you know, is it the her head falling out of the game or is it her bad preparation? I, th- I think it's probably one leads to the other. You know, I think she probably thought, well, you know, this is easy. I don't have to prepare as hard as I once did or not it, not even that. Maybe just the, it was in the back of her mind all the time or subconsciously she thought that and then that that leads to this. Like, I think with Connors, it's a little bit different because, you know, okay there was probably times you know people heard rumors or whatever that he wasn't training or he was injured or whatever but you could probably attest to this more than anything i think for his last two or three camps apart from when he was injured he was you know he was in there and he was training all the time and i didn't really hear you know you'd hear rumors before but uh, over the last few camps apart from injuries i don't think you you know did you like i think he was in there training all the time it's just that motivation or maybe it's not the same you know when you're, you know, when you're that rich, when you're, you've everything so easy and you, you're, you know, you're not in the same place, maybe with the same bodies and everything like that. I think, so from that side of it, I think it's easier for Amanda Nunes to kind of get back. Like, she, Amanda Nunes is not living in yachts. You know, she's not out in fucking Dubai. She's not, you know, drinking shots with fucking, uh, uh, Johnny Depp over in Rome. Like, you know, she's not living that life. So it might be a little bit easier for her to get back to it. Um, but I definitely like the mind is a the mind is a strange thing. Like you can be the most physical and the most um, brilliant fighter we've ever seen, the most technical, tactical fighter we've ever seen. But the second that mind goes, and the second you are not prepared mentally for it. It it all it can all go very much belly up. Like it's funny. I, there, there's this uh, this lady that works with the, the Limerick hurlers. Her name is Caroline Corrid, and she's like their mind coach. And she's won like three All Irelands now with Limerick. I think she won one with Clare. She won one with Tyrone. She won one with the two or three with Dublin. I think she's won like thirteen All Irelands or something like that with different teams. Just like. Is that is that a it, it, you know is that just a fucking look? Is that just blind look? She was there at the right year at the right time. I don't think so. Like I, I think something like that it, it really, really matters, especially for sports people because like sp- sports people, it's it's very, very tough to do it day in, day out. That's why I always say, you know, in, in a press conference, someone says something. I don't think it makes much of a difference. You know, if McGregor and Aldo meet in a press conference six months before, I, I think he forgets about it and it doesn't make any difference. But I think your thoughts. Day in day out, like, am I still the best? Is this person I'm going up against the best? Is you know, do they? Does it really matter? Am I just going to win anyway? Like those thoughts, when they get into your head, they're very, very difficult to get back out of it. And if you don't have that side of your mind right, as it seems like is the case here with Amanda Nunes, and look, take no credit away from juliana Pinna or anything like that, but that's a big, big thing to adjust. And you know, as we both kind of said here, we fancy her to adjust. Uh, but, but let's see. Let's see if she actually I'm really adjust. looking
1: forward to seeing the rematch. Yeah. or If it doesn't happen to see Amanda Nunes' next fight, because, you know, you'd think they have to put the rematch together, but maybe there'll be injuries or stuff like that. But either way, I'm very interested to see what she looks like. Uh in
0: our next fight yeah indeed and you know Kayla Harrison was sitting there cage side as well it's going to be interesting what happens with her now because she uh, she obviously looked like she was going to sign for the UFC Manny Nunes is still the 145 pound champion so maybe they could still that do that fight but I don't think you can now at the moment maybe they get her in get her another fight maybe they just get her in have her wait, have Amanda Nunes fight for 135 pound title and then fight Kayla Harrison but does Kayla Harrison want to sit around you know she's not the youngest either so um I don't know maybe they have to recalibrate that situation but it's a very very interesting time we went from last week talking about Amanda Nunes having no fights or overlapping people to Nunes now having Harrison having pina and as you said maybe questions now can Shevchenko beat her if they, if they fight again because yeah. that's a well, different even fight. Even before so. I
1: said you know I, I did say that Shevchenko yeah. would be, it'd be a very different fight it would be a much closer fight and Shevchenko could beat her so like you know there, there definitely is some fights where but this really opens up the divisions It really opens yeah. up. Uh, it really opens up a lot of fights and as I said it'll give a lot of Confidence to to other fighters in the division that you know Amanda Nunes isn't this you know yeah, unbeatable. No unbeatable yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: I think the same thing. You know, to, to to make the Conor comparison again, the same thing happened to him. You know, I I think if Diaz hadn't beaten him, I don't think Parry would have beaten him. You know, it was one of those, and we will obviously uh, a good transition. Suppose let's talk about uh let's talk about Dustin Parry and, and Charles Oliveira. So look, it was, I, I suppose my overriding feeling after this fight, we, we get to the fight in a second, but. I was I felt a little bit sorry for Dustin Poirier. I I was like you know I don't think he will be the last chance. I'll put it I'll put it that way first of all. I don't think it'll be his last chance to fight for the belt and he's held the interim title as well but it seems like it's just a bit of a shame. You see this a lot with, with different fighters when they get to a certain part of their career where they've had those opportunities they miss out on those opportunities and you just think like, is it ever going to happen for them again? And like, even, even guys like Paré who've kind of reached to, to the top, even say, like, someone like a who, you know, okay, got the fight against the went back and he lost it again. And then the, the Jones one, he lost it. And then he lost to him a second time. It's, or a you know a Bisping who's almost on the precipice, almost on the, and he ended up getting it. Like the two of them, I suppose, are good examples for him who do end up being like the champions in the end. But then you've guys say like a Kenny Florian who's gotten there a lot of times, so the not unable to get over, or a Cowboy who wasn't able to get over the line. And the issue these days as well is, and maybe this is a, a, a you know a topic for speakers Garner over on Patreon with Harry, but the level of fighter today is a lot better, obviously, than the level of fighter down through the years. So the level of fighter who's not reaching the very top, who's not going to hold gold, is going to be better than ever, especially in a division like this. Or say, like a Colby Covington, you know, okay, an interim champion as well. That level of fighter is so so good that we're looking at oh you're not quite good enough. It's it's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. Yeah, even in
1: the even in even in the lightweight v- division, like you know, Justin Gaethje, like he may get there, but he may not. You know,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and for all the the kind of skills and and everything he brings to a fight in previous years, he probably would have been the champion for for years. But you know, this is such a stacked division at this time. You know, there's so many hard well-rounded guys it's 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 as you say it's good it's going to end up where some guys who maybe you think would become champions and maybe even nearly deserve to be champions won't be champions because it's just that much of a shark tank in there
0: yeah we put in our picks earlier this week and uh, i picked Oliveira, and i kind of said to andy who was doing the picks like give me a couple days i might change that and then I didn't and I was thinking I thought a lot about it over those couple of days obviously you know I was doing my betting show on different things as well and you know talking on the, the preview with with Andy and uh, Andy and uh, Harry on Friday and I just I don't know it came into my head that Poirier isn't going to reach that level it's a weird thing you know it's a weird and maybe i'm completely wrong maybe uh you know I'm, I'm totally off the mark but i've just felt like Oliveira has already reached that level if you get me you know he's already reached a championship level even if it wasn't against someone as good as paria but he's already reached that level he's gotten to the very very top he's climbed that mountain and okay it might be tough to, to reclimb that mountain but i think the fact that Poirier still has like that, you know, we talked about mentality a while ago and he still has that mental block. And last week we said the opposite, so I, I must, you know, correct myself. Because, you know, if, to go in there and fight McGregor twice and get over that mental block that he obviously had, losing to McGregor previously, that caused him a lot of issues, I, I thought getting over that might help, might be the fact for him to get over this. Now, I, I actually don't think it's maybe a mental thing here, to be honest, but me picking the fight and me pick going for my pick, that was it. I just felt like that little bit of an X factor was was going Charles Oliveira's way, and I think Dustin Horia you know, it's to look to to overlook that. I just couldn't do it, and it was it was weird. And I look, I I don't think it played out that way. We we'll get into the fight, but it just sometimes you have a feeling with a fighter. That they're not going to take that final step and they're not going to get over it. And okay, they get big fights and big wins like McGregor and like others, but to get that title, even if it's against someone like Oliveira, who is, you know, who's not Khabib or who's not, you know, the the long reigning champion, a very, very good champion, a very, very good fighter. But um, it's, uh, it just was in the back of my head. But the fight itself... It was very, very interesting because I thought Pariya started way better than than I had expected. Even I thought, like we, we we spoke on the preview myself and lads and us last week as well about how hard it was going to be for Pariya maybe to establish his game early. And you know, we talked about the the Man City versus Liverpool stuff where it was his game was more about control maybe, but I did think he was able to control it early enough. Um, he he made. um, he made Oliveira respect him with his power at the very very start and it pulled Oliveira directly out of his game Oliveira wasn't coming forward at a rate of knots. he wasn't throwing big flying knees he wasn't throwing big right hands but what he was doing was meeting Poirier right in the middle and throwing those lovely knees to the body. And I, those knees were the biggest shots of the fight. Don't have make no mistake about it. Poirier came out afterwards and he said, oh, they didn't hurt, they didn't affect me. They fucking did. They absolutely did. And that was a big reason that Charles Oliveira was able to stick in there. He took a load of shots. And I think at one stage or a couple of stages maybe, he could have been overwhelmed. And in the past, I think he probably would have thrown in the towel and been overwhelmed himself. But I think you we can forget about the, the in-cage mentality or the weak chin of, of Charles Oliveira. And we could say the same about in-cage for Dustin Poirier as well. I think we can throw that out. Um, but he didn't. He didn't give up. And he kept himself in there. And uh, my, my point about being overwhelmed, I think the knees stopped him from being overwhelmed I think just having that little bit of a shot on him and that front kick he hit him with to deliver as well at one stage I just think he kept Dustin Poirier um, you know honest at crucial times in that first round and he refused to make it a 10-8 round if you if you get me if you refused to make it a round where Porrier was absolutely dominant now he did win it but I, I just think that what, what did you think of that first round and, and the start of the fight before we go any further I suppose
1: well, I do, oh yeah, Dustin Poirier definitely was, was getting the better to strike. And I did notice, though, that he he started slowing down quite quickly. You know, the intensity and the pace of the fight was the volume he was throwing was a lot. I think, like, I, I don't know um, the numbers on it, but uh, I didn't see any numbers on it. But he threw a lot of volume and he landed a lot of shots. And I think maybe about a minute left in, in the first round, he did look a bit he did look a bit tired already. And, you know, he said in the, in the post, or in the in in cage interview that he kind of got away from his game plan of trying to drag it long. But I think a lot of that was due to Oliveira, Uh, you know, Justin Parier maybe thought, this is my chance to put this guy away. And, you know, historically, maybe, as you said, maybe Oliveira would have thrown in the, in the tail. but I think Parier never landed that big, like sequence that he needed. And he, he, it kind of looked to me it looked like the fight was was olivera's at the end of the first round even though parier had kind of clearly won the first round just because i think the Poirier kind of thrown everything at him and Oliveira was still there so you know credit to Oliveira. he definitely had a had a really good cool fight but i do think parier maybe the fight uh, game plan got away from him a bit as he as he referenced in his yeah. in his post fight just because maybe the the magnitude of the moment he, he thought if i just get the right flurry here I, I'll, I'll be the champion and kind of got caught up in the moment a little bit maybe yeah. but it's obviously easy to say afterwards because you know if he did if he did land the right punch in that moment then he is the champion you know and everybody's lauding him as taking out the the champion in the first round by knockout so it's a it's a game of inches
0: yeah 100 percent. i, I... I had my, my thought wasn't maybe the same as you. I didn't think maybe oh this is Oliveira's fight now, but I did kind of think oh this is kind of Michael Chander all over again. If you get me, he's like he's come through that. He's gonna keep coming, and I, I think your your point about the output is a very good one because Oliveira's used to that output in his last few fights. That's the way he fights now. Paria, and we've we've spoken about it with Paria before. Uh, I think he gets a very good second wind. We've seen it in the Max Holloway fight as well, but he does tire early. I think McGregor's a little bit the same as well. You know, we saw him tiring the, in the Diaz second fight and he comes back later on. But they do, I think they're both tire. I think, look, McGregor's worse, but I think Paria definitely does tire early in fights but can get that second wind. But when um, you're throwing
1: big tr- potential of like, trying to finish the fight with big punches, it's a lot of energy yeah, you're throwing. To, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, absolutely. The second round in, though, I just thought, and, and this is where I thought about the, maybe the, the mental side of it. Um, it felt like, and I myself and the lads did the preview show on Friday night, and I I kind of uh, alluded to the fact that I thought maybe Parry wouldn't get overwhelmed with with jiu jitsu or lose the jiu jitsu game badly, and uh, I was badly wrong in that in the end. But I didn't think he'd have such a fear of Oliveira. Like, Paré is very yeah, good, obviously. Yeah, I was
1: going to say that. Yeah, yeah, he had way too much respect for yeah. Oliveira's game and kind of, it was just, it was, it was what, three and a half minutes to go and he was trying to hold on for a stand-up or hold on for the end of the round. It yeah. was like, what the fuck are you that, doing That's here?
0: fine if it's the last minute, maybe, or even 90 seconds in a round, you're already losing or something. Like, yeah, no problem. Hold on. You're going to lose our round anyway. Just don't get fucking submitted. Don't give up your back. But then the fact he did that for like a full round and then at the start of the next round, the, you know, the same thing happened again. The, well, he, not the same thing necessarily, but he kind of gave up his back, even a worse position. It just, it just felt like he was so negative and he just, you know, some people talk about that. I, I prepare so much to not get into that position. Then I do get into the position and I panic a little bit. And I don't think he necessarily panicked, but I... Ugh it just felt like it was in his brain that he was going to lose in this position if it got to that position and he did. You know, and the, this choke we, we, we can't say nothing about this joke not being fully in because it absolutely was. But I don't I, you know, I feel like if that was Dustin Poirier against someone just as good as Charles Oliveira or Charles Oliveira himself and he hadn't thought about it so much, he would have not let that hand slipping under the gym with
1: no, with no name with the exact skill set so yeah. and, and output and everything of Charles Oliveira and he probably would have fought completely different and yeah. would have most likely you know not been as as bad around and as as huge a momentum and obviously o- Oliveira taking a lot of confidence from that and he, he, you know it was just a really odd decision and really really bad I think
0: yeah I am um, it was very weird it was very very weird like I think, like, if you're Dustin Poirier, I think you're, you're going to look back at that regret. You know, he look back and he's always joking about he didn't regret going for the guillotine against Tabby, but I think, you know, personally, he probably does. I think he, maybe not necessarily the second, or the first, yeah, the second round, sorry, where he stood in the, or he said in the guard, he closed his full guard, had a body triangle even from the bottom for, like, three minutes. But I think the, the second round where... He just—he kind of there was a bit of panic there. And look, it's it's easy to fucking panic. You've Charles Oliveira in your back. Don't get me wrong. But Dustin Poirier is very, very good as well. And he's very good jiu He can defend rear naked choke. But it just felt like he wasn't doing the fundamentals of the rear naked choke defense correctly. And you know, he literally said in the post fight, "Oh, his arm slipped underneath." I wouldn't expect it. It's like. What, what the fuck were you expecting? You know, to him to go for an, an ice cream and bring you back one night. <laughs> it's like it was, I don't know. It was just a bit bizarre to me. Uh, but look, give credit to Charles Oliveira. As we both said, absolute war. He came through in the first, landed a lot of big shots. Most lads in that division. I'd say if there are 50 lads in that division maybe 45 of them wouldn't have come through that first round against Paria and he did and he kept coming he won the second got on top those elbows in the second were just were absolutely raw the way he was landing them they weren't cutting elbows they were hurtful fucking elbows Yeah, uh, with
1: Paria's head against the, the Matt, yeah. canvas with nowhere to go uh, they're big shots you know uh, <laughs> people maybe think they did these cutting shots are the ones that cut uh, open cuts on your face are the big ones and they showed you know, damage or whatever, but those elbows of Oliveira landing are so much more harmful, I think, and impactful. Yeah, they
0: were absolutely wrong, brilliant stuff, but uh, yeah, he won that round, and he went into, obviously, the third, and, uh, you know, it was pretty easy in the third. How, how long did it go? A minute and two seconds, uh, and it was just all his, as, as we mentioned, he got the back and was able to get in the choke, and that that was that, really, for uh, for Charles Oliveira. What a fighter he is, though. Like, I, I think, you know, we, we spoke about... Um, aldo a couple of weeks ago and his ability to adjust after the uh you know in the middle of the fight or after the first tough three minutes against uh rob font i think charles Oliveira his ability to to adjust almost immediately in that fight was fantastic i really really do think it was he was not able to fight his game at any stage during that fight he's striking him anyway now he's just game, obviously he did in the end um and even, you know, in the second round, his Jiu-Jitsu game was nullified because of the way Poirier fought. But he's still, you know, he's still stuck in there and he still won the majority of that fight if we look back in it, uh, you know, as a whole. So, what a fighter. An extremely, extremely good fighter. Interesting. You know, like, people are talking about what's going to be next for him and who's going to be next. Um... And, you know, a lot of people are saying Gaethje are then the winner of Makachev versus um, Dariush. I'd rather it be that than Gaethje, to be honest. I know Gaethje had a great fight and a great win the last time, but and that it'd be a great fight against Oliveira. So don't get me wrong, the fight will come up and I'll be absolutely ecstatic for it and excited. But I wouldn't mind Gaethje getting one more and then fighting him. Uh, he's probably not going to do that, but I, I don't know. I, I felt like they kind of made a wrong decision here with the Makachev-Dariush fight. I think they should have given Dariush... The title fight, given both Makachev and um, Gaethje another fight, and then line them up or maybe you know, maybe have the two of them but fight does, each other.
1: Does have the same drawing power, or the same excitement levels as a Gaethje? Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think he does.
0: No, I don't think he does either. Maybe it's because I'm a big fan of his and I think he's good. But I think he deserves it as well. I think he's done enough, and we—he's an easy one to forget, you know. But the the, the fights he's had and the performances he's had over the last few years, I think, are enough. But. Yeah, uh, it looks like Gage is going to get <laughs> look what a fight that will be. The one thing I, will, you know, we will okay, we won't get into a hugely breaking down that fight, but. Uh, Justin Gaethje's jiu issues that he showed against Habib Nurmagomedov are uh, going to be tenfold a problem here against Charles Oliveira so uh, th- if that fight comes up you can be assured I would be, be betting Charles Oliveira to win that one by submission I don't think there's uh, there's much to be thought about that one but um, what if I don't well uh,
1: you know the, the fight starts on his feet and you know, Justin Gaethje is very dangerous on his feet but Charles Oliveira has shown a really good chin and a lot of grit and determination that we, that we didn't that we always kind of pointed out maybe a weakness in his game. He's very well-rounded now. Like you can't really point at much now. You know, he's very good on the, on the feet. Maybe he's not elite on the feet, but he uses his tools pretty well to to get the, the fight to where he goes. So yeah, I think that is a, a very difficult fight for Gaethje, but with Gaethje, you know, you, you never know. He, he comes in there to try and take your head off and, you know, he he has the power to do it. But yeah, I think, I think Oliveira will be the choice there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it has to be, I suppose. Um, right, let's talk about some of the rest of the card here. Um, the the third fight from the top was Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh Split decision there. There was, I think a lot of people were giving out about the 30-27 uh, for Neal. Yeah, I did think Ponzinibbio won the second, but it wasn't. Or, um, you yeah, well, no, hold on. No, people were giving out about Ponzinibbio getting around. But, yeah, look, I had a 29-28 t- Neal. I thought it could have been 30-27. Um, not a great fight it was a pretty boring fight to be honest but it was a great card so you're going to have one of them on it but uh, yeah uh, Neil Neil and Ponzinibbio didn't really impress me to be honest either of them here so yeah not a great one Kai Cara-Franston knocked out Cody Garbrandt look I thought Cody might have enough for, for Kai I thought he might use his size and power down to 125 um, I think, and you know, his wrestling as well yeah, I thought he might yeah. Yeah. Luke Thomas kind of said that he didn't have a speed disadvantage and watching back the fight I actually would tend to agree with him Um, but I thought someone else said I think it was PDL MMA who made a great point that um, a counter puncher with a bad chin is the, just the perfect combination <laughs> for MMA and that's what Cody Garber was here he was trying to counter punch a fellow who was just punching him in the face all the time and his chin was never ever going to live up to that and you know I, mean, so I, I picked him and it's a pretty stupid pick now having looked back on it but great win for Kai Carr fans. I've always rated him I think he's a very very good fighter after coming in you know through the tough champions uh, time, that time and a very very good win for him there so uh, you know Cody uh, uh, Cody versus Frankie next year up at 135 I think that makes a lot of sense double knockout in that one so this should be fun uh, Sean O'Malley ruined Pai it, you know a lot of people were talking of Paiva here and you know O'Malley looked good and everything and he came in injured and he said but I don't know I just don't think... I don't think Paiva is someone who... uh, Sean O'Malley should be fighting at this stage of his career. And I thought it was a bit of a walkover. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I think he didn't have much for him. But maybe, you know, Sean O'Malley said he was 99% sure when he was lying in bed one night that he was going to pull out. Maybe he would have pulled out if it was a a tougher opponent, but he kind of knew, you know, uh, I'll be okay here. And and he was. But, you know... uh, it's it's i think it is time to kind of step him back up again you know uh obviously he has a that loss is <laughs> calf kicks is is his only loss on a, on his record so i know i don't want to see him fight anymore uh pavias you know i want to see him step back up again and, and if he loses we can drop him back down again but i think it is time to to step him back up um i don't know who would you who would you like being a sugar sugar sean o'malley fan sugar sean sheehan on twitter who would you, what, what 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 way would you like to see him go
0: I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Dominic Cruz. You know, they were kind of going back and forth. Um, I don't know, just anyone, someone ranked. You know, someone up there, an Sao or a fucking Munoz or a, someone like that. You know, I'm not going to say a poor old Frankie Edgar, but you know, I, I think he needs to he needs to move forward. Myself and Ian did the contender on Sean O'Malley, and all the questions that we need to be answered, have not yet been answered about Sean O'Malley, you know, he he needs that push, he needs to go to the next level, this is not fucking boxing, you're 15 and one, it's fucking time, you need that push, you know, Dana White was saying it this week, about, oh, you know, we don't do that here, unless your name is Shimaev, what about fucking Joy Herbert, what about Reese McKee, what about all the lads coming around from Europe, you certainly don't mind moving them on, Sean O'Malley's ready for it, he's been ready for a few fights, let's fucking do it, let's move him up, and let's get him going, and you know, Jose Aldo, let's do it. Fuck it, let's have some fucking fun. But yeah, he need he I needs. I don't know
1: about Aldo, yeah, but maybe Dominic Cruz. You know they're both in on the same similar
0: time frame now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Josh Emmett in and Danny Uh close fun fight as well. Emmett almost knocked him out early. Ige came back. I thought he in the third round. You know it was probably one one. And I don't know that he forget he got knocked down in the first round or something, but he fought a very, very low output, low impact third For round.
1: For victory, victory when he wasn't winning.
0: Yeah. Um, and even though I had as one of my bets, I thought Emmett won. And, you know, I, thought, I think the judges got this one right. Uh, so, yeah, fair, fair play to him there. Um... Then we had Dominic Cruz, you know, the aforementioned Dominic Cruz, who also almost got knocked out early, but came back to win. And a lot of people were kind of saying, oh, this is Dominic Cruz of old. He looked the same. He looked good. I thought he looked slower. I thought he looked very, very different. Um, the biggest difference for me with Dominic Cruz uh, is I thought he's... It, look, If if Munoz was attacking him purely, I think his defense was good. If he was attacking Munoz... I think his defence was good on the way in. But it was the defence after the strikes, where you, where Dominic Cruz used to be so good, where I think he had a big issue. And that's where he got hit in the first round and almost knocked out. And I, I just think that footwork after the, after the exchanges wasn't there for Dominic Cruz. And I just think that speed and that extra step just wasn't there for him there. Now, I do think he adjusted and he changed his game. And he's not fighting the same way. But that would be the big... Thing I would kind of look at for Dominic Cruz, look, Munoz is is a healthy matchup enough for him. Like I, I think Munoz kind of knocking him down was was probably a bigger sign of Cruz, you know, maybe not being the same as, as you could get, but. Look, still, still a good performance. Maybe I'm being nitpicking. And look, you have to nitpick when it's one of the greatest fighters we've ever seen. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be along the same lines of other people who say Dominic Cruz is, is just the same. Like we talked about Aldo a couple of weeks ago and Aldo has adjusted his style and maybe he's not as good as he once was, but he's still very, very good. At, and, uh, you know, a similar style that's been slightly adjusted. I don't think Cruz's style that he is slightly adjusted is as good as it once was. So what, what do you think?
1: I think it's hard when, you're, when your style is so dynamic and you've been, you know, in the game for so long, so many injuries, like it's it's easy to forget how many years of how many injuries and, you know, uh, it's going to slow you down and the game is evolving and there is a lot of tape on Dominic Cruz and people have kind of shown how to how to get through to him and all that stuff so uh, i think it's a combination of a lot of things he's obviously getting on in age as well he's maybe got distractions with other jobs that he didn't used to have and i think it's a combination of things but i think he definitely you know he isn't prime dominic cruz but i don't think anybody could expect him to be
0: what do you think of his um his stuff with uh, daniel Cormier this week and calling Cormier out and saying he's not great on commentary and all he yeah. mutes yeah. the TV.
1: Yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast, Dom. It's, uh, it's uh, good. Uh, taking it's good everything day, yeah. I
0: work for, Dominic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it? Anyway? Yeah, it was, he was right. Uh, uh, he?
1: Uh, yeah, he was right. You know, I saw people saying, "Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have called him out on it." But you know, Dominic said, "Oh, I, I said this to him. I said this to you. He said it to Cormier. I said this to you a lot of times. there's nothing I didn't say to you." And maybe you know people might see it as a dick move to come out to the media but Dominic Cruz is a man who kind of says what he thinks what he's asked and you know I think Cormier should know that and I think Cormier got a bit butthurt by it that was really funny and just the whole thing was just really funny uh, I, I don't know why Cormier thought sitting Dominic Cruz down oh, to try was, and, like, big that was, so was going to work. He was obviously not going to happen. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the logic was there. I think his uh, opinion uh, of his, uh, of his uh, debate skills are, are, yeah. not, uh, Wildly are overrated not where him. he thinks they are.
0: <laughs> Dominic Cruz just absolutely destroyed him. That was funny, funniest. I was like... Uh, what Horror, you think? <laughs> he tried to bring
1: Bisbing in to help him yeah. but it didn't help much but
0: he tried to bully him seeing like putting his hand on his knee and everything it was just like Carmia has this tactic obviously of befriending people you know in the media or in wh- wherever it might be and then like whenever they say anything bad about him he cries and gives out like I thought you were my friend it's like well go fuck yourself like come on I, I I don't know is it? This... like he,
1: he he says things about fighters all the time in commentary, yeah. you know, about things. And if you're going to say things about other people, and then when people say little things about your profession, then you get real butthurt about it. It's kind of bit hypocritical I suppose
0: and look everyone's a little bit the same we're all like, a little bit buttered when someone says uh, uh, fighters,
1: fighters are uh, like a sensitive bunch like everybody you know n- nobody likes to hear people criticizing them and maybe because he knows it's true I- it hurts more oh well.
0: definitely oh definitely you could see that the thing about it was as well I thought this was his best commentary night ever maybe I thought he was very good especially the cruise fight the only thing I would say in he, the was England,
1: under, he was under pressure to, to <laughs> get it done <laughs> he <was. laughs> He's in, up all night on that apology
0: in the middle of the uh the pina fight he was uh the the one thing I would call about it, he was like go for a takedown, go for a takedown, and she was piecing up a manu. I'm like, what are you talking about? Go for a fucking. Right, takedown. He just calls
1: every fight the way he would fight.
0: Yeah, it, exactly, like, hey, <laughs> <he> just... <laughs> that's exactly it. But anyway, um, title of in Augusta Sikai and you know, another classic title of didn't show the walkout amazingly. I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, another beautiful finish, another showy, and another classic uh, from him here. Bruno Silva in very emotional after that beautiful knockout win. Uh, Andromonia's got an an. Amber and Amber. I actually missed these f- first couple of fights because of the fucking, the, the Rona, not the Rona, but the the booster has all taken out of me. So, was there anything of note here? The Ryan Hall fight, I, I caught a bit of that, but was that mostly kind of like Ryan Hall on top winning rounds and stuff, or what way did it go?
1: Yeah, you know, it was kind of minor kind of played into the game, kind of dived in on just you know, as if he'd never seen a Reinhold or had him fight before or had a major overestimation of how he was going to kind of fare there, but yeah, it was uh, he offered really nothing for Reinhold. Uh Reinhold just did what he does and you know, just <laughs> being Reinhold, shrugging his shoulders afterwards just kind of like, yeah, what do you want me to do? He plays into my game, I'm going to I'm going to take that and win
0: fair play to him yeah. and Tony Kelly as well got a good win after winning the All-Star this week so you know fair play to him there Erin Blanchfield there's a lot of people talking about her being uh the, the next uh, the next one on the come-up in Gillian Robertson. Also, as well must say say for is for he is... Uh, Herb
1: Dean, uh, yeah. World MMA Awards oh uh, referee gosh. of the year.
0: Don't get me started. Please, don't get me started. on that. Don't get me started. But I have to mention Muniz, you know, a very, very good fighter. Someone not to forget, you know, and he is a, a contender in that 185-pound division as well. So, fair play to him. Right, let's move on to, uh, to Cage Warriors. Cage Warriors, 1-3-1 and one 2 Um... The, the first night... Look... These two Cage Warriors cards... I think on paper they were very good... But then... We had fights fall out... We had a Medi Bin our George Hardwick fight fall out... Um, we had the the 125 pound title fell out... But it, it still happened... But it wasn't for a title fight... Um, and it was just... Uh, it just took away from them a little bit... They were they were both... I think both of these cards were like... On the edge of just being good... And then they were like... Eh, after that... But... Anyway... Um, In the main event of 1-3-1, Jatty Milan, who I kind of picked to beat Matt Bonner, just absolutely destroyed him over five rounds. Apart from the last round, uh, (laughs) where he almost got the win, Matt Bonner. There's no giving him whatsoever, but Milan, you know, watching a couple of his fights back, he's a very, very good fighter, and he got a a good win there. Um, Underneath that, Christian Duncan and Will Curry, who both fought previously twice, I think. They both got wins. Um, Duncan beating Justin Moore in, in handy enough fashion, a triangle choked in for Will Curry who looked f- absolutely fantastic you know he's he's such like a, a good physique it's even though he lost to, to christian e. reid know, who's a very very good fighter as well um it feels like you know his his physique is something that will take him a long way and i think the same goes for christian e. reid not and i think he's under the tutelage of mark weird and uh hardy was saying on the commentary so very very good oh ben elliott then lost last to matters for me and it's just a step too far it was very kind of on Ian Dean like matchmaking, I suppose. We will give him one, I, I suppose. But I, I know I, I I still thought Open would win. Haven't said that, so it's easier to be the the general after the battle, as, as who was it, Artem Lavas said. But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It just look it looked like a step too far after. I think he'll be back as well. But fair play to Flaminius. You know, a lot of people wrote him off coming into this, and he got the win here. Lovely win as well by Kingsley Crawford. Tom Mearns had a beautiful display against Shannon Dice Split decision there. Luke Riley looked very very good. Uh, Samir. Keddy as well and uh, Neil Bagley and Adam Cullen all got finishes the last two by rear naked chokes are so very very good stuff uh, from them there um, and in last night I actually didn't catch all of it because I was fucking put out by this fucking booster so I'm I, I, I have yet to go back and watch all of it but I, what I did catch Dominic Wooding in the main event absolutely fantastic just came out there how many seconds it was a 38 seconds and absolutely decimated Carlos Abreu called for uh, the UFC afterwards you know he's a very, very good fighter. How good is Franz Milanbo? If this is how good Dominic Wooding is, you know, a very, very good performance by him. Luke Shankston uh, got the win over Sam Greasy. What do you think? Didi yeah, Didi?
1: I don't know. When when people can't make weight, it's it's, uh, it's uh, it's definitely a problem. But you know, we were saying in the podcast before, surely he'll make weight now. But now this is this is a big question mark over his career and something that will keep you know. Kate warriors from putting them in in maybe title fights and stop you know promotion that the ufc signing them because you're unreliable you know it's all well and good to go in there and and look good in the, in the fight but you definitely need to be a professional as well so it, it takes away from it like it definitely does
0: yeah i think look i think he's gonna have to go up to 135 that, but it's a big des- it's a big decision here for uh for cage warriors to make like do they make the title fight next? Do they, you know, do they make the trilogy where they're kind of one-on-one? One? Uh, okay, do they trust him to make weight? It's a very, very interesting one to see what actually um, what actually happens here. So it's a big decision, I suppose, for, uh, for Ian Dean and Graham Byland here to, to see what way they go. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening over, over the next one. They also announced that um, Hughes and, and Vucinich is, is happening. So we will... Um, Ooh, we will see how that one goes. Sorry, I'm just. I just <laughs> the the uh, the Formula One has just started here, and Max Verstappen has just crashed in to Luke uh, or to uh, to um uh what's his name Lewis Hamilton again. But they're they're, they're still going. So apologies if I'm a little bit distracted. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? They're crashing into? But uh, they they didn't really crash, so it's okay. But uh yeah, I I I, I would nearly. I would nearly make the trilogy. You know, I, I would chance it once more. What's the worst that can happen? You know, you make the fight again. Um, yeah, I, I would nearly do it. But, uh, yeah, fuck it. We, we'll see. The two Figlacks then got two wins as well. I caught some of the combining one. Did you catch the other one? The, the Mike Figlack one? Jamie Richardson got a win as well. There were four decisions here in a row. Or five decisions in a row, even. I was like, oh, Jesus. It was a bit of a tough one at tides, But, um, you know, overall, a big year for KJ. What, what did you think of the, the two Figlack brothers?
1: Yeah, well, the fake left you know, you can talk about it. The, the Kent Companion fight was no easy fight, but he went in there and dominated. And, you know, Mike as well went in there against Steve McIntosh. was a little bit of a step up, a tough guy, like been around and fought some tough guys. And they're definitely progressing really well. Like, I think they're on the right kind of path. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Ian Dean, will, <laughs> Ian Dean, like 99% of the time, you know, knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, I think... I think for both of them, it, it it was it was really good performances, and it was the right step. And I think that you know maybe Matthias Matthias like is is a bit ahead. Like you know, obviously Ken uh a, a more experienced, maybe higher caliber fighter. But I think the both of them are really really good prospects. And just because you know Matthias is kind of ahead of Mike a little bit in progression, doesn't mean that you know uh, Mike can't can't end up being a better fighter. You know, these these guys are are the real deal. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely think they are, and the fact that they're kind of, you know, I talked to Brad about it. They're both training together during the pandemic and everything like that. It was a real kind of, you know, a camp for them to to get better, you know, and to 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 improve with nothing else to do. And I really think that will help them. So yeah, seven and nine on Mike Figlack and you know, I beating Naiben Elliott and stuff. Matty is 7 and 1 he's only lost to uh, Ian Gary. um so yeah M- you know I I called for the Figlac versus Reese McKee fight for the title before I think after beating Ken Copeland now maybe could have argued he wasn't ready before that but um I do think um uh, I I do think it's time and I, I think that's the, probably the fight to make now uh, as well um right so next week we have uh, KSW, first of all, Sean Dini's going to have a preview out this week. Uh, I'm going to talk a bit about it over in Sherdog as well, I think, but uh, Kalidov versus Soldic, um the rematch as well uh, between uh, Torres and uh, uh, Fidin in the, um, uh, or Paranas even, I'm just looking at Fidin here and the the thing, uh, is is... What a card that is. What, what a top two five setters, and there's more underneath it as well. But I'm really, really looking forward to that. And as I said, we'll, we'll have more on that uh, during the week uh, and in the UFC as well. Oh, a pretty good card, honestly. Uh, to, to kind of get out to the end of the year, lots of fights on it. Uh, in the undercard, I suppose the one to seek out or Raquel Pennington versus Macy Choyson, On uh, Andrew Yule versus Char- uh, Charles Charles Jordan. So Jarry Eubanks is on the card. Um, Gerald Murshart is on the card. Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins in to open up the main card. Diego Fahea versus Matthew Camrad. Ricky Simon versus Rafael Asun So. Uh, Limas versus Hill, Bilal Mohammed versus Wonderboy. What a fight that is! In the coming event, and Lewis versus Dawkins. So this is, I like this. I like this. What stands out to you in this character uh,
1: Looking at it, obviously Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, your your boy. I always like to see him fight. He offers something different. He's, you know, maybe he's not as he's not as dynamic as he as he once was. But he still has an absolute, absolutely ridiculous striking repertoire. He's so hard to take down. I think this is obviously a, a tough fight for Bilal Muhammad and uh, Wonder Boy versus anybody. Is uh, Wonder Boy is a tough fight for anybody? So that's that's definitely a good fight. I think the Cup Swanson Darren Elkins fight. You know, Darren Elkins always always brings uh always brings it, always brings uh, the damage as he has tattooed uh, <laughs> across his chest, and he uh, he's he nearly always offers a, a, a interesting fight. Like you know, there there might not be the big names on this card that there was on the the pay per view card, but I think yeah, there is some really interesting matchups
0: yeah as we, we get towards the end of the year as well you, you love a few fights it's like Wonderboy and Bilal is one of those fights where you maybe weren't expecting it but pretty good fight I, look it's also one of those fights for Wonderboy if he wins it he's still there thereabouts if he loses it he has quickly gone from the the top of the ranks, so it'll be interesting. It's a huge fight for Wonderby, I think. Look, big fight for Chris Dawkus as well, because we put him up there with Aspinall as, as one of the, the up-and-coming stars of that heavyweight division, and if he beats Lewis, he's uh, already vaulted right in there to the, the very top. You know, will the John Jones thing happen after Ganya versus Inganu? if it doesn't who's going to be next he could put himself in there as the next guy you know with a, with a win over Lewis or you know, you know depending on what Stipe does or whatever as well And there, obviously there's aspalada and a couple of more as well but uh, it's, it's a big fight for him because I think if he wins this and he gets another big fight he's right there so uh, a win over Derek Lewis definitely means something a few years ago maybe we would have said you know it's just uh, you know another win for anyone who's any good kind of but Lewis is a very very good fighter now and um, you know a win, a win means a lot so yeah I'm looking forward to that a very very good card in I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to KSW as well. People should definitely definitely check that out. So um, yeah, Jake Paul versus uh, Tyron Woodley as well as next week. But no one gives a shit about that, so we're uh, we're not talking about that. So uh, one championship also I have a card, but I think a lot of that is is that kickboxing and stuff. I don't know, there were. Uh, yeah i don't know anyway oh well, there was an aries card at the weekend in paris went very much under the radar um i know there was some very good fights on that wilson hayes lost in the main event uh, someone who's very very good and um yeah so that's that, that's definitely one check out the, the results of of that one um but you know just it's good to see you know the uh, especially uh the um the, the, the local scene here uh, the local scene but the the, uh, the European scene coming on good as well uh, it was sorry it was Tyler Lapoulos who won last night sorry uh, he beat uh, w- Wilson Hayes but um, yeah it's, it's very good to see kind of the, the, the French scene especially looks like Cage Warriors are going to go there as well and you know it looks like they're coming back to Ireland which she spoke about last week so yeah I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to a big year for the world of mixed martial arts in Europe as well but yeah we leave it there anyway Graham um, what a night last night uh, if you enjoyed this sign up to Patreon patreon.com severe podcast we've loads of stuff coming over christmas season uh we've a lot of podcasts already recorded so you know there's going to be no downfall in in the amount of podcasts we have and uh graham this week on the speaker's or on um your 10 years of severe me you vary so that's a very very fun chat coming out on on wednesday morning uh, I, I listened back to it already so it's, it's very very good and you know you go through a lot of the McGregor stuff and you know Ariel coming over to Ireland he's some fun stories and things so very very good podcast so people sign up you can get I don't know how many podcasts there are 1700 podcasts or something a lot of podcasts anyway for a fiver you can get all all of them sign up for a month for a fiver download every single one of them and then unsubscribe again ah, but nah stay subscribed uh, you could do that if, if, you, uh, if you so choose right thanks everyone for listening Graham inspirational quote of the week give it to us
1: well, not inspirational. As Smith's quote okay, of the week. Okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> I'd like to drop my treasures to the world. I am a man of means, of slender means.
0: We'll see you next Tuesday. Some, whatever it is. Good look, Happy, happy Christmas.